Everybody's working, but not everyone wants to. Why do we have to work? What's the worst that could happen? Why do people feel as though they are forced to work? Enough people are fed up with their jobs to form a movement. But is the anti-work movement a monolith or more of a coalition? Why you should quit your job, but keep working this week. Philosophers. Philosophers. So we're coming off a two-episode streak last week where we did a part one and part two. That was interesting. Yes. So I think it's about time we do something entirely different. Uh, you mean like we do most every other time? Yeah. Okay. So different, TM. Different. Just TM. like Apple. Um, Oof. No, that's thinking different. What's the difference? Um, Oof. Being different. <laughs> um, so this week, we were just kind of discussing... Um, the anti-work movement. Yes. Um, so let's talk about that. What is the anti-work movement in a nutshell? I mean, essentially, it's a, a group of people who are fed up with the status quo of work in America. Like, the the... The labor, the, the, like the state of labor, what it is like to be a worker in the United States right now. Yeah, I think some would say the commodification of labor. That's... Yeah, okay. Particularly because... And most of these people are the low-skilled labor. Not exclusively, but a lot, at least in my experience, a lot of people I've talked to, they specifically are referring to low-skill like wage labor. I think these are the people who are... Yeah, they're... They, Okay, those type of people are the kinds of people who are more likely to be in a position that is just very physically taxing to even do. And so they're, it, it is more immediately on their mind how much it sucks to do work. But yeah. I have talked to people who do work skilled jobs who are part of this movement. Okay, so I guess the common factor would just be that people who are unhappy with the labor market... Yes. Being the way it is. Uh, what it is like to be a laborer in the United States. Is it? Is it pretty I don't much... know that it's... I don't know that it's exclusively the United States, but let's focus on the United States here since we... Where we reside. Kind of sort of know what we're talking about here. Yes. Okay. Um. So, not to speak about the current iteration. This movement has existed for quite some time. The, the, the idea, you know... It, and it kind of makes sense. There are people, I would say, have varying tolerances as to what they are willing to put up with for so much money per unit time, um, which is the whole concept of a wage. Yes. Um, hourly wage, anyway, uh, which is the common way we... It's one of the two main ways that people are paid, uh, at least in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, you're paid for your hours of your time, or you're paid a salary... Or you're a contractor paid on delivery, which is very rare, but it's a very it's a distant third payment option. Um, so much so that when we legislate pay, we often do it in terms of hourly wage. That's like the most common one that is, yeah, laid out at least in like, you know, what the minimum wage is like the biggest law I can yeah, think of. Yeah, the minimum wage is pay. defined in terms of dollars per hour. Yeah, right. So, um. What are your thoughts about this movement before we go too far, I guess? Um, I see where, in, in some respects, I see where people are coming from. 
Um, but I don't know. We're going to get get down into the details as we go along, I guess. Sure. Um. So, what would the first detail be? <laughs> like, how, how do you want to cut this up? Like, what are the problems? What are the pros? The cons? Because there are there are definitely pros and cons, and there's also, I think a continuum of people within this group. I think on one end of the continuum and, and again, thinking about these in terms of bell curves, you know, there are very few people at these ends that we're going to describe this mm-hmm. characterization we're going to use uh, at one end of the extreme. You have people that just do not want to work period. Yes. Um, they think that all work is some form of perhaps wage slavery, for example. Right. These people, we, we have a term for these people. Yes. Communists. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, and they would much rather the state just provide everything or someone else, period. Like, it does, really doesn't matter if it's the state in that. Actually, yeah. That I, I think I'm actually being unfair to communists. You're by kind of being unfair communists to, yeah. Because even communists will recognize that work has to be done. Yeah. Um, these are, I don't know delusional people honestly um that they just don't want to work they would i I think the most charitable a light i can cast for these type of people is that they would say something to the and this is being me very charitable making this argument for you you're welcome um there is a human drive to work that exists for most people but for some people I am just predisposed. Yeah. Yeah. I akin to how some people are born with disabilities. Mine is motivation. So I should be not forced to work. And since there are still plenty of other people that wish to work, they can do that and they can share with everyone else. And that's where the more communism part of it comes in. Yeah. Sharing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's communism adjacent. Right. Um, in, the, in the sense that they are for redistribution of resources to people who didn't actually earn them. Right. Um, and again, by force. Being, yeah. And that's being super charitable. Uh, and on the other end, I think you have essentially maybe like the 1920s and 30s idea of a labor movement or a labor union, mm-hmm. whereas people just feel like, okay, it, I want to work. I want to work this specific job, but I do not feel as though I'm being compensated fairly. It's close or, or there's something specific. It's, it's usually something specific on the farthest end of the spectrum. It's the boss is taking advantage of all of us in such and so a way. Yeah. Let's get together and negotiate as a group against the boss to get what we want. Yeah. And, and, at the farthest end of the spectrum, it's, I think you have to have something specific. It's usually not just the pay. Um, it can be, it's like, I am not making enough money to afford to live and I'm living really thin. And you can make that argument. You can, you can prove that you, it's not that you have bad spending habits, you know, even with a modest discretionary spending, you cannot afford to live. You cannot afford to feed yourself or your family. Um, but more typically, I think specific examples would include things like it is just un like these are bad working conditions. They're unsafe. Coal miners come to mind in my head. Mm -hmm. I am literally going to die young because I work here. I feel like, and I'm willing to take that at risk, but I do feel like I should be more fairly compensated. Or if you're not going to fairly compensate me, 
you should take more measures. Yeah, you should take more measures to actually uh, protect my health. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And and I think most people resonate and agree with that to some degree. Yes. And then most people are somewhere in the middle. It's, I would say the middle is closer to the side of. I don't want to work. Well, no, I was gonna say oh. I, I would think the middle is closer to the side of. I want to work. I don't mind working, but I just okay. I want to be able to have a nice life outside of work hours. Mm. Um. Like in my mind, the middle ground person, and this is, I think we're going to have the biggest first little discussion about how we, you know, because this is purely anecdotal. This is, there is no sampling for this, but in my head, the average person in this movement feels as though their quality of life sucks. Um, they can't afford modest uh, luxuries. Like for example, you have to have the staples, food, shelter, so on. Even if the shelter has to be a shared space, which is very common for younger people um, or even older people, we just, ones are called a roommate, one's called getting married, but you know, not always, but you do see people, it's just, at least where we live, it's less common to see older people who just have roommates in my experience. Yeah. Um, typically you pair up with somebody and you're either in a long-term relationship or whatever and you have kids and be, and you two kind of become roommates. That's, that's a piece of a more complicated relationship. Um, but I would like to be able to afford a decent place of shelter, um, a vehicle, access to the internet, electricity, you know, clean water and all that. And I would like to be able to take off for two weeks a year and go on and be able to afford to go on a vacation and have like a couple, I would say I would want to be able to take about a quarter of my paycheck and spend it however I want and not on something that would have a deem a necessity. I think that's most people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would, in, and so a quarter of my paycheck would be spent on things I actually just want, not that I need in any way. Um, a quarter of, and and then like half my paycheck being spent on necessities and the other quarter being spent on things that I don't necessarily like to the letter can't survive without right now, but things like health insurance and things like that. Um, insurances and liability. Other miscellaneous expenses. Sure, yeah. retirement, you know, everything like that. So I think that's most people. Well, taxes is the other one, but we'll get there. Um, I think that's how most people are in this movement, that they are just, they are pretty average as workers. They just happen to live at certain hot spots where the cost of living is higher. Um, so they're affected differently than people who live in a lower cost of living place. And they may be working in a job that it's also grueling and physically demanding. And like you, like you said, at the end of the day, you're actually exhausted. You're tired. You're yeah, usually you have worked. You yeah. have worked. You've not set. And, and, and that comes in different ways and shapes and forms. You know, like you're either mentally exhausted from doing something like working in a call center. I would say working in a call center is just as hard as flipping burgers. Sure. And it might depend on the person. You know, some people might find, and, and that's the whole point is it really kind of depends on who you are, but that's a grueling job. You have, there are no coffee breaks, you know, there's no, you know, the, the way I would put it is there are jobs where you can go to the bathroom whenever you want. And there are jobs where you have to ask mm-hmm. or you have to tell somebody that's, that's the way I see it. Yeah. Um, and I've worked both of those kinds of jobs and there is definitely a difference in the way employees are treated at places where you have to ask permission to do things or do you have to tell someone to cover for you because your need is more immediate versus those where you're given more autonomy. Yeah. 
So that's what I think the middle ground person looks like. You know, you had said that they're closer to the just don't want to work. Uh, okay, I say that. My the sample size of people I've interacted with who call themselves part of this movement is very small. So I don't maybe I don't have a good sampling of people to determine where the middle ground is. Same or where the majority lies. Sure. Same disclaimer for me. I'm so, but go on. I have I have a particular person who's coming to mind that I that I've talked to about this, and this is this is the kind of person who is just generally anti businesses. Um, okay. yeah. <laughs> and so, but but thinks that he is clever for calling himself a part of this movement, um, and and gets to say things like I'm not actually anti work. I just want such and so a thing, and. As far as I know, he doesn't even work for a big company that exploits people. He's kind of he kind of works for himself already, so he's just kind of complaining about how much work he has to do. <laughs> His boss is a jerk, and is also him. Like, <laughs> um, so that that's that's who I'm thinking of primarily, mm-hmm. and that might not be fair. Maybe not. I, I do. I also think there is a generational gap here that, that's worth highlighting because I was going to call you a Zoomer for thinking because you probably interact with jokes. They were all jokes. Because yes. I, I don't think you quite qualify as a Zoomer. Maybe you do. No, maybe you I'm don't. like I'm like right on the borderline. Yeah. I consider myself a millennial because I remember 9-11. Fair enough. But yeah, barely. Barely, yeah. Um, But I do think there is a generational gap difference here. Um. And I do think it has to do, and we've said this before, you know, the, the big divide between millennials and Zoomers is 9-11. Like, I think that is without a doubt the biggest gap. Like, some would say the internet, but, I, and, I, and I do think that's a valid thing to put in as well, but millennial, a lot of millennials grew up as the internet grew up. They had access to it. And it, and it kind of boils down to where you lived. You know, like I talked about how generational gaps, you know, they should be mapped topographically sometimes because yes. it kind of does depend when it, when is a technological one. But one that didn't matter was, in a lot of ways, was 9-11. And right. That's because, that happened at the same time for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And even though the threat was more localized, that event was localized to a single place, the, 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 the national consciousness was different. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think the more overprotected nature that people kind of took on after that included things that might have sucked um, otherwise. Um, and, and I think this is the point I'm trying to get at, too, is that work typically sucks unless you're fortunate. Um, and not only that, but there's this, and we talked about this a little bit when we talked about um, a couple episodes ago. Uh, we were talking about happiness versus just avoiding pain. Yes. Um, th- there's more of that happiness seeking, I think, with that generation because the pain avoidance was done for them. They never had to go through that themselves as much. Or it may have been different. Um, and But work is pain in, in a lot of ways. Work, work is hard. You have to do things in order to survive. Now, it's way less hard than if you lived alone. Like, I, I think... And this is going to be a tangent that I'm going to go ahead and go down because I think it's worth remembering. Um, most people believe, like I'm, I'm going to use I'm going to use an anecdote, right, uh, and a hypothetical to go along with it. 
if I were to put you in a time machine and send you back a thousand years, right? I could put you anywhere in the world you want in a thousand, a thousand years ago with all the knowledge you have now, right? Okay. And you can bring one thing with you. What would that one thing be to ensure that you were royalty at that point? Like to, 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 to elevate you with your knowledge above everyone else. I'm thinking about what things qualify. Anything. Any just singular item? Any singular item. that You, you have to be able to carry it. Okay. But that's your limit. So I can't bring the Large Hadron Collider. No. Um, not that I would bring that because that wouldn't do me very much good. No. Um, I don't even know how to use it. Um. <laughs> but, but you're kind of alluding to my point. A lot of people think, oh, well, like, like when, I have, when I run that hypothetical by a lot of people, the answer is usually like, oh, a gun. Because they didn't have guns back then. It's like, okay. Cool. Okay. What happens when you're out of ammo? <laughs> also, people... People were not as stupid as a lot of people think they well, yeah, were. If you if you shoot someone, they're going to be surprised. The first person will be. But they're not going to think that you're like a wizard. No. Like they're gonna see that thing in your hand and know that that's what gave you that power. Yeah. They, and they know that if they take it from you, they'll have that power too. Yeah. Right. And and not only that, but it's and all it, it's And just, they'll be able and yeah, and, and then once they kill you with it, because that's what they're gonna do next, um, they'll eventually take it apart and see what's going on they may not understand they won't understand the chemistry of the powder and stuff like that um sure. but they'll be able to see generally what's happening yeah like a good example is i remember watching a documentary about kyber pass um which is a it's an arms manufacturing community district it's not just one place it's like a district in pakistan i believe it's unlike the pakistan afghanistan border it's in that part of the world um a place that had just not been really exposed to modern firearms. Um, when they were though, like there was, it was like a 50 year leap in firearms when these, when the, when the Russians invaded Afghanistan, um, and watching how quickly they reverse engineered that technology. Like it was astounding the first time they saw it, but humans are tinkerers. And this kind of goes for... And also, it was designed by a human. So, of course, a human can easily understand it. Yeah. Most everything we have, everything that was designed, was designed by a human. Unless you're religious. But most practical things were designed by a person. You know, it's, yeah. It's not that and far Things that we use, yeah. And why does this matter? I guess the point I'm trying to make about this is you, you have to do work. You, there is no such thing as, like, living only on your knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um... Because going back, and even if you were put at a massive advantage, first of all, I think it's kind of humbling to think about how you would not fare well. It doesn't matter. Like, there's like, I think this weird idea that, well, I was, education was so bad so long ago that anyone with like a high school education could go back and just like be the next Copernicus. No. When that's absolutely not true. No. Yeah. These people were exceptional for a reason. Yeah. And that's the point. They were exceptional enough to figure this stuff out without someone telling it to them. It, that, that's it, how they were. You're not like that for getting a high school degree. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so since we, and I think the point I'm trying to get at with that is that what makes you think today is any different? You know, um, you still would have to work then. So you would have to work now. That's, I guess the point I'm trying to make mm-hmm. um, is that we we are not so exceptional that we don't need to work and we can live on our intellect alone um because i have heard that angle and that's that's the angle i've heard of more from people who don't have back breaking jobs 
is that, you know, I, you know, I know a lot of things. I, my, and, and it, it kind of runs parallel for me to yeah, IP, but... uh, the conversations about IP. Okay. Like, oh, well I had this idea, so I should get paid. Why? Exactly. What... Yeah. Society does not owe you for thinking of a thing. Yeah. Thinking is not work. I would assert. Thinking by itself is not work. It could be. I, mm, but, mm, like, okay, Think, thinking can be work. Like, okay, like, if I if I want to, if I want to build something, let's say I want to build a shed behind my house, um, and I'm, let's say that I know how to work materials, uh, I'm a, maybe, maybe I'm, a carpenter or I know enough about carpentry that I, that I could build this thing from parts, but I'm not a structural engineer and I don't know like what I can get away with as far as how many supports needed to be. Like I have the manual skills to build the thing, but I don't actually know how to build it and it actually stay up. So I could pay an engineer to do some thinking and give me a, a draft of how it should be to stand. But I think the point I'm trying to make though is, is that the engineer doesn't just think. They have to collect information. They have to, and, and I'm, I guess, and now we're getting a little bit on the border, but like the moment where all you're doing is thinking, you've done this before. I know you have, and I've done this before. People that work on our profession do this a lot. We will, you know, push back from our desk and our computers and we'll stop and just look at what we're dealing with. Okay. In that moment, does it really matter what else you do? What do you mean? Um, when you when you run into an issue like you're trying to debug something, uh-huh. if you sat there in silence, or if you got up and made a cup of tea, or if you went and dug a ditch, okay, yeah, it doesn't matter. It, it just matters that while I'm doing that, I'm also thinking about the problem. It, yeah. It's it doesn't matter. I think the point I'm trying to get at is that a lot of it's automatic. Your brain will do it for you. Like it might be, and and the reason I don't say that's work is because you're not exerting any effort. You would it, it the effort differential is no different your brain's thinking all the time you're just you gave it something to think about like the amount of effort does not shift from when you are working versus when you're not working i don't fully agree with that um i think that i i think it takes more cognitive effort for me to think about the a a problem that i'm actually trying to solve as opposed to like daydreaming about the things i'm going to do after work Okay, so if it's real, can you measure it? I can't. Is it measurable? Potentially. How? I'm not a psychologist. But but the thing I'm trying to get is I have not heard anyone be able to I don't know it. that it's important to be able to measure it. In the same way that it's not important to be able to measure physical exertion. It is, I think, when you're talking about whether or not something like is considered work or not. Like, I, I think you might be right as far as like, can you prove that it happened? Yes or no. But like, like what's different between this and physical work to me is that physical work will not happen without the observation of that activity. And you do not constantly, you do not constantly exert the same amount of energy into something to make it work. Mm Mm-hmm. When you're working physically. Me sitting in a chair, I am not expending energy. It's easy to measure when I'm working because I will expend more energy. Now, granted, whether this work is good or not, 
has no effect on that. Uh-huh. But when we're talking about raw human effort, which is what these people talk about when they're talking about anti-work, my effort was spent. And being subjective human beings, we're always going to measure it in terms of my effort. I feel like I exerted a okay. lot of effort, so I deserve to be paid for that effort. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel a bit guilty in my job because I don't feel like I exert any more effort necessarily when I'm working than when I'm when I'm applying my brain to work versus when I'm applying my brain to something else. I feel like it's a steady state in a lot of ways, uh, except mm. I, I say that. Um, I think that we might just be more aware of the things that we're thinking about because we're focused. Like you might be able to, you know, and maybe I'm splitting hairs between focus and effort, you know? Um, but, and, and maybe there is a way to think about it. Maybe you measure calories burned when a person sits at a computer and does work versus watching TV. Maybe there is a difference. I don't know. Right. I, I, yeah. That, that was going to be my way of, it was either that or some sort of brain chemical balance or something like that. Maybe different hormones are released when you're focusing on something and thinking about it than when you're daydreaming. Maybe. I don't know. It's it just for I me. I don't know how measurable that is, but. Yeah, I don't know. Like for me, it's. it's Surely you burn more energy when actually thinking about something. But how much more? Um, sure. But 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 yes, I, I don't. But in that case. I, I say it doesn't matter because, yeah, between those two things, the actual level of energy expended is going to be essentially negligible. Um. I think the thing the thing that matters for this purpose is again, as you said, it's the subjective feeling of how much how much effort you put into something, and I I can feel mentally exhausted if I've truly put in a full day's work, so to speak. Sure. Um, you know, some days are a lot busier than others, um, or the 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 task that I am to solve that day is a lot more grueling. I say that as if it's actual physical work. It's not. Um, but you know, it it can be a lot more tedious to, or, you know, maybe I have to actually do a lot more careful consideration of what I'm doing instead of just thinking about the overall design of the thing, which is a lot easier for me. Yeah. I don't know. I, to me, I feel like the days that I work harder than others, it's either because it's usually for two reasons that I've been able to observe is that I speak to more people for longer periods. I talk and listen more. And both of those require focus, which then again, so does doing what we do. But I also read more. Like I look at more things. It's like I'm. It's it's not that my brain's thinking any faster or more. I'm just saturating it with less input from non-work things. Like it's the amount of bandwidth consumption. Um, and it's not that I'm exerting any more effort. And, and I'm fine with that being used as a metric as well. And you could say that that's what your weight should be. Is how much of your attention should you think of it like CPU time. But that's but that's how yes. it is. Yeah. How I, many how many of your cycles are idle cycles? <laughs> like, say for a moment, we assume that you begin thinking the moment you wake up. Or well, well, you do. You've been thinking before. You think when you're asleep. Too. Yes. But let's not care about that. Let's start from the moment you wake up. So the moment you wake up, your brain is operating at some capacity of mm-hmm. thought and far beyond. We could literally count it in number right, of synapse fires per second if you want. Right. Yeah. There's a bare minimum amount of processing that has to do with all your sensory stuff and whatever it takes to control your muscles. Yeah. That's been going. And you're probably also thinking about things that you're not even aware of because that's the other part of our brain that's kind of sucky is that you think about things all the time whether you realize it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I don't want this to turn into an episode about how the brain works or how we theorize the way the brain works. Uh, but no. I'm not going to go too deep in this but 
you know, if I wake up and get coffee and then read a chapter of a book, so far, it's questionable to how much consciousness I've put into work. I've not deliberately done anything. But the moment you sit at a desk and you look at, you force yourself to look at the computer screen and works information starts flowing into your eyes and your brain starts churning over and thinking about, okay, did I, you know, who do I need to talk to today? What is my list of to-dos? What is it going to take me to do the to-dos? And then nest that as far down as you're comfortable without Mm -hmm. getting frustrated. And I think to me, the most grueling days of work are when I like, I have a lot of people to talk to. um, And when problems I need to solve aren't solving as fast as I wanted them to like, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to solve the problem. Like I'm, I'm actually doing things. I'm actually typing things in and trying to get them to work, but it doesn't work. Like it's the frustration that's exhausting. It's not the, it's not the um, fact that you're thinking about it. It's that you're not getting what you want and loading your brain up. Whereas I think the delineation between that and physical labor is, and you would f- you're you're going to feel tired and work you're, you're going to feel un- it's unpleasant like frustration and physical exhaustion are both unpleasantness i'm just going to lump them together sure. for now to consider them similar <clears throat> and that will happen so long as you're physically active um but you could do the same thing to yourself without work you know um you could feel how you had like, and i don't know about you but i do feel that way if you've ever moved you probably feel this way moving sucks Yes. And you'll exert a lot of physical energy unless you pay someone else to do it for you. And it'll feel like a long, hard day's work. And it was. But not wage work. It was... No, it was just work. work. But it still sucked, is the point I'm trying to get at. Is it... Yes. To me, it doesn't suck any less because I'm doing it for myself. It sucks because I had to bend and pick a bunch of heavy stuff up, move it, walk more than I might normally walk with more direction and purpose. And all the while I am constantly aware of how far I am from the done state. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think what's frustrating. And so it, I don't, I don't think it necessarily has, you know, I think that's the feeling anyway, is frustration. And I think the the difference is that we don't want to blame ourselves as much when it comes to work that we don't like doing, but we have, but when we're the ones telling ourselves we have to do it, it's, you know, you're not as mad at yourself probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's someone else, it gives you a vent like, ah, oh, I don't like that. My person. boss, he's a jerk. He tells yeah. me to do stuff. The it's boss. Like- yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you were self-employed and I think that's why people who are self-employed tend to be happier, even though they work way more mm-hmm. oftentimes than wage employees, is because they are the boss. I am the boss. I I can't talk bad about me because I'm biased towards me. So you just deal with it. You just put it behind you and go for it, I guess. Um, so where were we with uh, anti I don't know. Where were you going with all this? I think the point I was trying to get at is we were talking about like, I think the generational differences and then we got off on a sidetrack tangent about like how we feel about working and how, Oh, that's how, what it was. I think younger people were shielded from working. Mm. And so, um, your tolerance for such things are going to be lower. And then we got on a weird tangent about how mental labor. Oh, and then how people want to substitute mental labor with substitute oh, physical labor for yes. mental labor. Can't work with your intellect alone. That's and where you we're cannot at. work with your intellect alone. <clears throat> okay. 
So okay. now we're back. <laughs> now we're back. I think that's a pretty obvious statement. You can't just work with your intellect. I think very, very, and even people who right. do. Right. That's like, think about like, okay, like you and I, we have jobs that are arguably intellectual, like, or at least I do. I know that you also have people. You, know, you, you also deal with people. I don't deal with people so much in my job. I just make the computer do the things. Um, yeah. So that that is essentially an intellectual job. The the most manual labor there is is typing on a keyboard and raising the cup of coffee to my mouth, um, <clears throat> which is not even a required part of the work, except that it is. Um, I, but before we get to that, I, actually the hardest, and I've noticed this, when you have to mess with cabling, that is exhausting oh, yeah. to me now. I Crawling have, around under a desk and having to like fix a cable. I don't have to do that, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the worst. But yes, it is awful. Um, Go on. Anyway. But... At the end of the day, even though I do most of the, like the thing that I am doing that my boss couldn't just do himself is I understand how to solve the specific problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I know how, I know how to operate the computer, so to speak. Um, and so you can think of it. Okay. Well, that's, that's me making money surviving on my intellect alone, but it isn't. Um, I'm doing that. But at the end of the day, Somebody has to actually do things. Yeah. Or else, why am I here doing things with the computer? I'm doing things with the computer to help somebody else do actual work. Right. At the end, like, that's what people want them for. That's what these machines were built for, is so that people could actually do stuff easier. Right. And I would argue that, I mean, it may seem menial, but architecting code and implementing code are very different work. Mm -hmm. And it, it is time consuming. Like, you, you can think to yourself all day, like, oh, yeah, this is how I would do it. But to actually sit down and write it yeah, all Yeah, but out, actually go do it now. Yeah, 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 go write it. Like, it's work in the same way. It, it's still not purely intellectual. It's just in the same way that writing a book is not purely intellectual. You have to communicate that to someone, or in this case, something yes, a else. machine, yeah. And tell it how to do it. Yeah, so you have to translate complex... Speak this esoteric language. <laughs> yeah, literally. That's why we call them that. Like, you have to translate what a human Yeah, wants. it is a communication medium that I can use to explain my will to the machine. And then bend that machine to your will to yes. make it do what you want. It's actually a pretty magical feeling, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I've become... Become a programmer. You should, uh, I, you should give it a try. It's pretty fun. I've become oddly um, obsessed with the Warhammer 40,000 or 40k um like fictional verse uh -huh. um because there is a faction of this verse of humans um referred to as the mechanicus or the mechanicum depending on which time period you're in okay. uh that literally believe that machines have souls and spirits <laughs> and that their whole job is to communicate um the like they, they, to essentially like use knowledge to bend that machine's will to its own. Like it's the way it's explained is somewhat magical, but it's, it, I don't know in my head, it makes everything feel like what I'm doing is so much more important <laughs> and difficult than I, than it really is. Anyway, strategies to make work fun. Um, yes, they are true. I think they actually work. It's I think worth your time to do that sometimes as long as it's not distracting. Sure. But, um, yeah, I've made physical work fun for myself that way. I, mm -hmm. I'm not going to explain the specific example, but it's doable. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can't survive on your intellect alone. Um, no, at some point, someone actually has to grow food or something like that. 
and also I, I think that's the I think that's the big thing. It's that when you think about the anti-work movement, you have to think about okay, but what they want is something for everybody. It's not just that they don't want to work. They call themselves part of a movement and they're trying to change society. So think about if everyone thought like them and they're like, okay, but well we can, you know, we, we don't have to do as much physical work. It's like, okay, but who's going to do all the things that support your lifestyle? Yeah. It, it's like the bourgeoisie, but without, but touching, in reverse, without, yeah. without touching grass and realizing that the world needs work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's pretty irrefutable that work has to be done for now. I do think we will come, there will come a time for human beings, hopefully anyway, where work will no longer be required to be done by humans. We can fully supplement work with automation and AI and GAI, but we are not there. No. Um, and that will truly, I think, be like the last big moment for humans. From that point forward, we won't matter. When we talked about that a little bit, like we won't, we will not matter the same. Like our our GAI will matter more than us at that point. Um, but we yeah, have work has to be done um, because life, and this is kind of tying into what we talked about last week. You know, life is not default. If you do nothing, you will die. Literally, that is how it. That is be. how it works. That yeah. is how it be. Yeah, work. In this case, it is what we're categorizing as the things you're doing to not die. And that used to be a lot more literal, as in... Right, actually going and getting the food. Go get yourself some food. Yeah, go pick berries, go kill an animal, whatever you're going to do. Yeah, that was the main work. In addition, go avoid death. Right, yes. If you see another animal that fancies you as its next source of survival... Run away. Get away or kill it. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, if all the animals were dead, nature... What most people think of as nature, like trees and wildlife. Yeah, nature and on weather, Earth. Yeah. Weather will try to kill you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it gets really cold. Like, it gets really hot. Storms happen. For, you know... Yeah, you could be struck by lightning. Yeah. Or, yeah, wind could blow something heavy onto you. Like Yeah, the, the environment is will, will kill you. Not because it wants to. It's it, it just will. It just will. Yeah, everything is dangerous. Yep. And so, work has to happen. Like, efforts have to be... T- effort has to be expended to make sure and sustain life. And that's really all we're for. If you, you know... Um, if you look at things from the gene theory perspective... Um, our genes exist to propagate themselves. They, they, they want to propagate. If we want to personify them, we can say that they want to. Yeah. Sure. Okay. They, they do propagate themselves. Yes. And That's any, how they got this far. Yes. And then they also manifest weird phenomena that also happen. But any of those phenomena that happen that would impact their survival in a negative way leads to that gene or in some cases that entire, you know, full strand of dna or the whatever mm-hmm. you call the full gene genome i guess in that case sure will kill the whole genome but anything that is good f- that has a positive impact on its ability to reproduce will stay and so it's weird to think but this complex organism that is a human being exists so that the dna in the cells can make more of itself and propagate 
Not because it wants to, but that's just what it does. It's a machine with one prerogative. Some genes came into existence, which, when put in this environment, produced a thing that we call a human that can propagate its genes. Yes, and start the whole process over again. Yeah. In perpetuity. Yeah. And it's, and that, and, and your biggest enemy in that case is just entropy. Like, how do you keep concentrating things? How do you keep a chemical reaction going as long as possible? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty astounding. So, I think it's at this point we've beaten the dead horse. Work is is a necessity, you know. Um, it just has to happen. Animals work. Just they still work in the more the direct way. Um, yeah, yeah. It's that we we have come up with. We we're so, and and this this is going to sound uh, more arrogant than I mean it. Uh, we're so smart that the. We allowed the peacock dance that we do to get so out of control that we erect huge structures and make cities and things like that and, and have <laughs> have created this, you know, people perceive it as a problem for ourselves that we have to find a job and do do this kind of, instead of working directly and getting our food directly. Yeah, well, I think it's a combination of we're so smart and we are so social. Yes. Um, we We decided that it's we all don't like the same things but everyone likes to do something so everyone can try to do something they like and those who don't won't but the problem is is that the desire is not mapped to this necessity um right and so the way we offset that is capitalism essentially is okay well how do I, how then do I motivate someone to do something they don't want to do before there was a, there was a, there were plenty of systems that existed before that didn't matter. You didn't have a choice one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you were either literally a slave or you worked for forced pay in the form of, you know, fealty. You're a serf, which is essentially a slave, but you do get paid, you know? Um, and I would say that, the way we have things now is better than that. Yes. You know? Yeah. This is way better than feudalism for sure. Yes. Um, so, but I do think there is something positive about the anti-work movement though. I, and we were kind of talking about this. I think it's time to talk about yes. the pros. Um, a part of that free will to not, to, to you're not being forced to work. Well, before we go too far down to that, let mm-hmm. me just, and this kind of goes hand in hand with what I'm about to say. No one is forcing you to work. No single person. Nature is forcing you to work. Exactly. I think that's the other big mischaracterization that you see coming out of the anti-work movement. You cannot cannot point at a person and say, you are responsible for making me have to work. And you can't even point at society for that. Society does not make you have to work. No. Society evolved in an environment where work was a necessity. Right. Um, And it still is. And I think that manifests for differing members of that community two ways or, you know, between two ways. One is the non-physical enforcement of work, which is shame. People do not like being shamed. There is social pressure that pushes people to work. Um, And this happens, Turn you know, for me, this happened before I turned 18. But for a lot of people, it starts happening when you turn 18 and your parents get sick of you living at home. And they start pressuring you to work um, because they're not quite at the point where they're ready to just like expose you to the elements and let you deal with it. You know, they, they still care about you enough to like house you, but they want you to start 
speaking up for yourself and being responsible for yourself. Um, so there's that pressure. And, and again, to those who have really, really big feelings and have been sheltered their whole life, that can feel like, I imagine anyway, uh, that can feel like you're being forced to do something. And, uh, and it's, but it's essentially peer pressure. It's shame, peer pressure, social measures being pressed on you to make mm-hmm. you work. And I, and, and, and I think that's actually more often the case than people just being ignorant. I, I think when people say I'm being forced to work, they don't actually believe that, uh, it's, you know, they don't actually believe that the person who is making them work is saying do this or I'll kill you. I, I don't think it, that's I think that's a rarer than people f- wanting to not work to be wanting the notion of not working to be okay mm-hmm. um, and socially acceptable, which it shouldn't be in my opinion because I think that's just indulging people in a fantasy or a delusion, like, right? Um, so to be clear, no one is making you work. I had a I had a thought just now. I don't I don't know that we're going to extract any deep meaning out of this, but sure. Um, it it occurs to me that the the kind of person, yeah, the the delusional person who just doesn't want to work is is looking at the socially the person who wants it to be socially acceptable not to work is looking at the socially acceptable position of being a stay at home parent. And wanting to just be a stay-at-home person. Yeah. And that's personally offensive to me. Um, (laughs) Not because I'm a parent, but because being a parent is work. I I straddle... I go back and forth on this, to be honest. Um, I think that there are certain people who supplement the labor of being a parent so much that it doesn't appear to be work. And so, but they still want the benefit of saying that they do that work. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth of the matter is raising humans is hard. It is a job. I, I'm not going to pretend like it isn't. Mm-hmm. It's not the hardest job. No. Because anyone can do it. Yeah. It, pretty much everyone has been doing it since For, people. Since people. Yeah. So don't tell me it's the hardest job, but it is work. You know. Um, so even, so if you, hey, if you want to stay home. Be a stay-at-home parent. You know, if you don't want to work for someone else, work for yourself in ensuring your propagation of your own genes and your offspring. Even though you're probably not thinking about it in that level. I mean, if you're me, you you are. And I can't wait to tell oh, my child that's that someday. Uh, kind of weird, but okay. It's like, <laughs> you. I care about you because you're me. I'm, I love you in the most selfish way possible. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> that makes me feel special. <laughs> uh, i just thought of something really morbid i'm not gonna say it okay that'll be to be there that'll remind me and i'll be an after show <laughs> thing um but yeah I th- you're right the people the people who think that i'm going to kill them because they don't want to come to work are just outright illusional and i would encourage them to quit their job go quit your job yeah and then quit your job and then go live with you know Go live by yourself, and then I, I think those are people who just don't want to take personal responsibility at all. You know, I think, and and for that for that, I'm kind of okay. Um, at least they're consistent. 
mm-hmm. and they're not wanting to take responsibility for anything. I don't like it, but at least they're consistent. Um, it's annoying because they will blame anyone else around them. If it's not, if it, they'll blame their boss because they fired them for not giving them money, then they'll blame their landlord for kicking them out, even though it was their place to live. Then they'll blame, you know, every person who doesn't put a dollar bill in their cup on the side of the street. You know, it, it's never anyone else. It's never their fault. It's always someone else's fault. Those people have a different problem. It's not work related. It's just life related for them, I think. But for the rest of them, for the rest of, people you know who are like who feel as though they're just being forced to work because you know there's a social attitude around it i think that's a good thing i think that it should be that way i i don't see anything wrong with society trying to gently nudge you into the reality that you're gonna need to work anyway Mm -hmm. so we might as well encourage you when you do you know right let's reward the fact that you're surviving instead of waiting for you to face death right. and then decide oh yeah i should probably do something about this because see that's the, i think the tricky part of it is that humans also have pity mm-hmm. and i think that pity <laughs> here we go <laughs> i think that pity is one of the biggest problems with human beings yes i hate it I understand why it exists. It mm-hmm. has a useful purpose. You yes. sh- you should take pity on people that deserve your pity. Yes. But that's the point. They have to deserve pity. Yeah. Yeah. The, the problem. Yeah. Pity is not universally bad, but we give it up too easily. Yes. You should be selfish with your pity. Um. And and you can't help but feel it. I don't. Sure. Know about, I don't know about you, but. I can't, I, I, it is harder for me. Like, I think this is the case for most people. Most people find it difficult to watch a person cry. Mm. Unless they royally deserved it. Like, sure. Yeah. When, when you right. see, if I see a video of like a, a bully bullying someone and then victim punches back and then the punches him in the mouth and he starts crying about it, it's like, Okay, that funny. you get what you deserve. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's one of the best things that you possibly experience. Yeah, but I think that's I, there are really only two reactions to another human being crying. You either laugh at that crying because there's a reason, or the more general case in a vacuum where you don't know that person, you see them crying, and you you the first time you see them, you see them crying. Your first gut instinct is likely going to be one of like you're going to try to you're going to feel some form. Of pity, and that's going to make mm-hmm. you in some pace. It's going to manifest in consoling. In some case, you just want them to stop doing that. Please quit that. Yeah. Please stop. Like, what, I just, what do I need to do to make you stop doing that right now? Yeah, and and everyone feels that way. Yes, it, it, the people that are trying to help you make you stop crying and be positive about it versus the people that are angry with you for crying. That they they both, both want the same thing for you to stop crying. They want you to stop, and it's and it's because we see ourselves in other people. And, you know, I'm assuming everyone is like me. And I remember me crying, and I hated me crying, and so I hate you crying. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's tough. Um, but I do think the better attitude is to encourage people. Like, I I don't know if you can have both. Uh, if you if you, I don't know if you can have only one of the two. Um, I think that people having a job should be something that's looked at positively without, I don't know that you can have looking at someone who doesn't have a job without looking at them negatively. 
know what I mean? Like, if if uh, this is the easiest way my brain can put it, if my child someday when they're an adult comes home to me and says, "Hi, this is my significant other," and I and and because I'm me, my first question to them is going to be, "Hi." If they haven't, if I don't know their name, it's going to be, "What's their name?" But the second question is always going to be, "What do you do?" And that's society. How many times have you met someone where the first two two questions out of their mouth are, "Who are you?" and "What do you do?" Mm-hmm. Um, and we judge them on both (laughs) like we will judge you based on your name sometimes but that's pretty rare like it's not as heavy because we assume you didn't give yourself that name um but we will judge you a lot more about what you do and if my child says hi this is my significant other they are a bum i'm going to be upset i'm going to think this is a mistake and I don't know that I can go, oh, okay, well, I have no positive feelings about that. I'm totally neutral. Versus if they came home and said, oh, they are a very successful... It does, at that point, it almost doesn't matter what they do. You know, if they're successful at it, you can... Bravo. Uh, bravo. You're at least... You're, and you hear people say that all the time. And, and that's the funny thing to me is, like, you hear people that think that certain professions are just wrong. Prostituting, for example. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think very negatively of prostitutes. But if someone says, yeah... But they're very, they're a very successful prostitute. They're like, well, good job. At, at least you're, <laughs> at least you're successful. Like that, it, it, it's weird how that can like almost amend any occupation. Yes. Um, or almost anything that a person could do, you know, like uh, yeah. as horrible as it sounds, we don't ever go out of our way to remember the dictators that didn't kill anybody, you know, like, and even they are studied for their effectiveness. Like there is a human, I think, curiosity about effectiveness. Like it doesn't really matter what the thing it is. Like, um, I don't watch these, but I've talked to some people who do these, uh, true crime shows. Oh yeah. And there's this weird obsession with really good, when I say good, I mean effective, like yes. criminals, mm-hmm. you know, um, let's, let's, let's back off to a more mild one. Uh, you ever seen the oceans movies like oceans 11? No, I'm Five. familiar with them, but I haven't seen them. Okay. Those movies are pretty big. It's a movie about a bunch of thieves and, but movies about thieves where the thieves are really good at what they do and they're pulling off something that would be really, really hard. People, yes. they're the good guys in the yeah, show. Even they're... though they're literally stealing from someone else. Right, who doesn't deserve it. Yeah. Well. Okay. It's, a, it's a casino, so some people would be okay. like, oh, they're probably well, a richer way, person than that. Just taking stuff that isn't theirs, though. But yeah. Right. Um, Like Robin Hood. Half of Robin Hood's charm is that he was good at it. Mm-hmm. If Robin Hood was trying to steal from the rich and give to the poor, but he never stole anything, no one would care about Robin Hood. Yeah. And even if Robin but there, Hood... But yeah, I, I see what you mean. There's this yeah. fantasy of the perfect crime. Yes, that's yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's it's a bad thing to do. You shouldn't do it. But if you do... It's impressive. It's impressive. Like You gotta respect <laughs> that they did something... Yeah, it's, it's this doing something that's difficult. And you hear people get into that all the time. Like, you... I almost called it something else, but if you really want to get into a, a piss waving contest, what talk about how hard what your job is and guaranteed. If there's at least one other person in the room, 
they're going to at least feel the urge to tell you, well, that ain't nothing compared to what I get to do. <laughs> yeah, people love to talk about how hard their job is. You notice that? Yeah. They love to talk about how much overtime they had to work. They, they hated doing it. They hated all of this, by the way. They hated working yes. overtime. They hate their job. They hate their boss. Everything. Yes, but now, but then they're compensating themselves for all of that pain and grief by telling you about how bad it was and one-upping your suffering. Worth it to one-up, <laughs> yeah. Um man uh but i think let's get back to the point about like the yes. anti-work stuff it's, it's been fascinating to talk about all the things related to this but I do, I do think at the very beginning we talked about this the, the continuum we've talked a whole lot about the people who just are honestly lazy um and or dis or i don't like calling them lazy because that's a, a common i think uh mischaracterization of exactly what the problem is or it's not going specific enough okay they're, they're just delusional they yeah. they do not understand how fortunate they are to have the privilege to work at mcdonald's believe it or not like, right as weird as it sounds to say that it's true um because at least yes. McDonald's, it does get worse it gets a lot worse. a lot worse yeah um but for the and this is i think to me the most redeeming part of the uh anti-work people that I, and this is why i would maybe it's me manifesting my hope and desire that most of them are like this. Uh, it's that they feel as though they are not being treated fairly and anti-work is not anti-work. It's I'm refusing to work for less. Right. Like it just as a matter of principle. Yeah. And that's excellent because that is yes, good. The, that is good. That is the other half of the capitalist equation that you do not hear about very often. You always yeah. hear the about the reason how, that employment is fair is because you can say no. Yes. And so we shouldn't encourage people to never say no. And I think that's the, no. yeah. Do say no when it's not good enough. Yes. And well, that was confusing. Do say no when it's not good enough. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes to that. But I think that's the danger in just, and that's why we got to be careful with how we apply the social pressure, because then you are getting into a place where, and I would, I want social pressure to enforce a system of freedom. I, I, I love telling people who hate their job, who think that they're being paid too little, that it's too hard. Okay. Quit. Quit. And then, well, I can't quit. I've got, blah, blah, blah. you know, they, do it though. But do it though. Yeah. Cause you will never find a job faster than when you are not employed. Yeah. Garen, that's, a, that's a very motivating thing. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That money has stopped coming in. <laughs> I, yeah. And the bills are arriving. <laughs> yep. And and it's a humbling thing. I've been there. You've been there. Mm -hmm. You know, I, we, since we've known each other, we've both been in a similar spot to that. And uh, yeah, you get, it, it's, I think the closest equivalent I can put it to is another free market, which is the dating market or the, mm. you know, interpersonal relationship market. Anti-work people, the, the worst of the anti-work people are like incels in a lot of ways. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm saying it now. I'm saying it here first. And maybe or maybe not, it's the same group of people. I don't know. But it's the same attitude. It's that I deserve to live the way that I want to without putting in the effort. Mm -hmm. But there's also people that are kind of in both of those groups where it's like, well, you have the prudes or people who I'm not going to put up with certain things. You know, um, I, I have high standards for what I want and I'm willing to forego the reward and live in a way that I would not prefer 
normally, but it's I've judged it to be better than doing that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and that's how it is. Like when you, when you are and when you're dating somebody or you're with someone and they're terrible to you, leave them. Yeah, just quit. No time like <laughs> the present. No yeah. time like that. Leave them. Yeah, if if they're that bad, then leave. And and you know that being said, there's a lot of talk. I think that's the thing you have to get past. A lot of people love to just play the the game, if you will, of complaining. You know, the feel sorry for me game mm-hmm. of man, my life is just oh, I always got something bad going on, and and uh, you know, well, last week, man, I just I had to do this, and you know, and then gee, man, that sucks. Oh, thanks, <laughs> man. You know, like yeah, and there's the hit. There's the oh, someone acknowledged me and pitied me. Yeah, shooting it up. <laughs> Tie the tourniquet <laughs> real tight. Yep. Oh, come on. Give, give me the pity. <laughs> there are some people that are just I like know. that. Um, but having a serious discussion about it. Like, I seriously would love to see more people quit their jobs that they hate. Yeah. And then realize that there's better opportunities. Like, it's scary. Sure. Um, And I think that the... I, I think that... But it sends a message. It like, does. Like, that's the thing. Like, even if you... Hmm. There, there's a there's a critical mass that has to be hit, and I don't know what that critical mass is. But like, even if you, even if you, you know, end up going to another job that's borderline just as bad as the one that you currently have, by quitting, you have sent a message to your previous employer. Yeah, you have told him what you're doing is not good enough. I'm out. Yep, and it's and he'll think about that the next time he's hiring somebody else. Or- the critical mass is whether it matters. The critical mass right. is whether there's someone else who's desperate enough that they're going to put up with it anyway. Well, I was going to say that, and he's not just going to think about that when he has to hire someone to replace you. They're also going to think about that the next time someone asks for a raise. Mm, yeah. And then if someone else says, look, I need this or I'm out. Like, and, and not only that, but yourself. You you should follow through with things like that. You don't speak. Oh yeah, never make a hollow threat. Never make a hollow threat, or you will be run over the You're rest. Doomed. Of You're doomed. Yeah. You're doomed. Yeah. Um, I think the critical mass is not even as high as we think. It's all it takes is enough people so that that caution is felt by employers. So if in, in this, so even in, like say if a factory of a hundred people, if ten quit. That is not nominal. That is not, oh, that's fine. We can just, we can go on without them. There's an impact. And it's almost exacerbated by bringing in other people because now you're having to train 10 newbies. 10 newbies make mistakes. 10 yes, times they break the mistakes. Things. They break things. And then all it takes is for you to be struggling with that and you'll feel it from your customers. You know that they're, they're and you might feel it from your other employees, the veterans of who are tired of who are tired of being around these newbies who keep messing things up and making their work harder too. Mm-hmm. They're going to start asking for raises too. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. <laughs> All it takes too, and and there's the, and that's I think the counter. And they know course. those ten percent of other workers who quit, and they're starting to think about that. Well, not only that, but like if you're thinking about that when you're hiring the new person, if you hire them for more pay, then like like one of the worst mm. things that you can do. Is say, all right, everyone, we're in we're in dynamic we're in financial or dire straits. 
you know, I'm going to have to do a 10, I'm going to do a pay cut across the board. Say for that. Right. But then as soon as things start turning around, put up a job listing for more than they're getting paid. Yep. And then you hire someone back to full pay. If everyone else found out, well, he's not even been here that long, or they've not even been here at all. They're brand new. Right. Why you're are they making me, more you're than You're telling me? me that I can get a raise by quitting and reapplying? I quit. <laughs> Which, hear me out. That's another social thing that I think would absolutely make this even better. People should not have a social faux pas about sharing their salaries with their fellow employees. Yes. You should, if someone asks you, well, how much do you make? Tell them. Tell them. Seriously. Seriously. Or you're contributing to keeping them in the dark. In a, right. in a way. Well, and you could be shorting yourself. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know how much they're getting paid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you should not be ashamed of how much you make. Yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah, one, one of the things that people who generally think differently from me about economics, uh, the thing the thing that we agree on is that it is an unhealthy aspect of our culture that we tie somebody's social importance to how many dollars they make. Yep. That's silly. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Because because that's why it's embarrassing to tell someone how much money you make is because you're exposing your social your social capital as well as your physical capital. Yeah. Um, but it shouldn't be that way. No. And um, yeah, all employees stand to gain by having this information. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Yeah, and you're not hurting yourself. No. Um, now you might, your employer may not like that you did that and might punish you in some way, but well, they can get over it though. They can get over it. Yeah. And if your employer is someone who would punish you for talking about information that is yours to freely give out, then you should quit. Yeah. You should quit. understand. But, uh, but yeah, for those people in the anti-work movement who feel the pressure, feel like, and are finding these things out. And I think that's why it's funny even about the cycle of things. When this starts to happen, well, s- employers are going to have to start compensating. And the first employer that does this is going to have the biggest initial financial burden because they're going to all of a sudden have to start paying all their employees more. But you're also going to attract more people. And if everyone else, if, if people are quitting your, you know, your competitor to come work for you, it's just putting your competitor at a bigger disadvantage. And you're kind of in for your, it's kind of like, it's, it's the same thing that people, um, commodity businesses do in uh, sales. Like, for example, if you go to any grocery store, they all sell the same products in a lot of ways, like a can of Coke. And if you know that this one store sells Coke for 25 cents a can cheaper, well, if that's all I'm buying, I'm going to go there. It doesn't matter. And so the only way you can, and I think this is actually better for like gas, gasoline. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone knows where the cheapest gas station is. It is no secret. You can look it up. Mm -hmm. It's all public. Prices are public. Why shouldn't wages be public? You know, yep. it's it's just two halves of the same coin. So if I now know where everyone is paying, and, and, and as an aside, you should absolutely also, the other reason to do this is to figure out what you're worth to your employer because those are not always the same. You are, and and it can go both ways to be to be fair. You, you can find out that, yeah, you are actually a loss for the company to, to employ, but you're a necessary loss. And welcome to, that's the definition to me of a dead end job. You will never get a raise, you know, Mm -hmm. because you are at your cap of what you're able to be employed for. But most often you'll find that what's the margin? How much money is the person? Because the person wouldn't employ you at a loss. 
almost ever. You do take some people at a loss, but it averages out to still being more than what you could have gotten. Right, otherwise. only when you could just as easily justify that as a business expense. Right. Like, for example, support staff are often operated at a loss. Like, mm. um, HR is almost always at a loss because you're not making any... HR is not making a product for you or providing a service that you're getting paid for. But they enable you to have more people doing that for you. So it's it's not... The, right. Yeah. You're buying back your own time. Exactly. It's the stuff that you as the business owner would have to do. Right. But you don't want to. So you're taking it as an expense to pay somebody else to do that. Right. Same, you just as easily have it be a contractor or something. Yeah. Same thing with managers and supervisors and stuff like that. Yeah. Oftentimes they, you know, as you move up that level, some, and, and some of those people spend more of their time augmenting and, and assisting others. That there is a value there. I'm not saying that there isn't, but there's no obvious value. Um, if you were to do it in a game theory way, you could take them out of the equation to see how much they're worth. Um, but you can't really do that in an operating business without potentially killing the business. Yeah. So most people don't, but, but you know, you might find out like, Oh, well, wait a minute. I'm doing the same work as that person over there, you know, or, and, and, and be fair about it and, and be prepared. You might get some negative, negative criticism, but that's the best. Yeah. yeah. You might get a, no, you actually don't do the same work as that person but over it, there. Let me tell you why. Yeah. yeah but you want to know why you'll get the most honest job performance review of your life. If you figure yeah, when out you demand more money yeah, <laughs> and you demand more money, they will be very clear with you what you, what it takes. Here's exactly why I'm not paying you that much. Sure. And, but there's literally no negative unless you just get fired. But even then, do you really want to work at a place that's going to, it's going to fire you, you for asking for more money? Yeah. Right. And I think that's the best part about the anti-work movement is that it's telling people that it's okay to lose your job because you're trying to do the right thing and you yes. should try to get for more. I agree with that sentiment. Uh huh. A hundred percent. Um, and good. It and there should be a support network for those people to encourage other people to do that. To you know, if you yeah, don't like it, because it is a very social thing. It's it's a difficult thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, but you do need to keep in mind that there is a limit. Like I think, and I think that's the difference between the people. The people that I'm talking about know that they know that at some point, you're just. You can't get paid more. Yes, you do actually have to do a job at some point. Right. And they're fine doing that, but they want to do it for something that's fair. And and you know what? You might find out that it's n this line of work is just not worth it to me. That's sure. my, That might be a good help. That might help you make that decision that, you know, yeah, I feel if, like. Yeah, if all the jobs that you're qualified for are not good enough for you, then it's time to figure out how to do a different kind of job. Yeah. Yep. And, um. That's okay too. Yep. It's better to find that out now than to suffer for a long time hoping it'll get better when the reality is it never will. Um, I think that's just being informed. And it helps everybody. It even helps employers because at the end of the day, you know, most employers are not evil. They're not people that love to make other people suffer. And then No, they're just like you. They're trying to make money to survive. Right. And have the things that they want. Yeah. Exactly. And they do that better with people that want to be there. Yep. Like I, I've told, you know, I'm, I'm in somewhat of a position where I get to have more of an impact on people in that way. I've always told those people that I, I don't employ them, but I manage their employment in some ways. I always tell them, you know, I'm going to be as transparent with you as possible because my employees, they're not my employees, but the people that work under me, my direct reports, when they're happier, they do better work. Now there's a balance, you know, I wasn't telling like, I know this is going to suck, but, it, but I'm at least going to level with them. Like, Hey, this is going to suck. 
be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. And I need them to be honest with me. If they're always afraid of upsetting me, you know, and, and you see this happen all the time. This is why deadlines get moved all the time. People aren't honest about how long it's going to take to do something. Cause you're more likely to get the job on a lie than you are. And then you won't be fired. Like anyone who's ever hired a contractor knows this contractor will tell you anything to get you to sign the contract to, to sign the paperwork and pay them up front and start paying them hourly. But if the contractor is honest with you and says, I mean, I'll be honest, it's going to take me six months. But someone else comes like, hey, I can do that in four. But then it takes them eight. You can't fire up. You're way less likely to fire them halfway through. And if you've never done that, try that out sometime. If you ever yeah. get the pleasure, talk to someone who has hired a contractor to work on their home or their apartment. They'll tell you the story. Like, they, But it's because people are not willing to just be honest and own up. You know, pay for good service and you'll get good service, you know at the end of the day. And sometimes you can't. And sometimes you just got to be honest about that. Like, I'm, I'm just not in a place to be able to do that. You know? And if you're an employer, you, you're operating on razor thin margins. You just got to do what you got to do. Tell, and you can tell your employees that like, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry, but I literally cannot pay you anymore. I will go out of business and you will not get paid anything anyway. You'll get paid a little bit more for a few months, but then you will be fired essentially by the fact of this company going under period. And we also need to let businesses die in that way too. Cause guess what? Sometimes in the market, that business doesn't need to exist. It just happens. You know, it's sad, especially if you're like a patron, if you've been the patron of the tiny coffee shop in town and you've watched it go out of business, it feels bad, but that's the market. That's the same market though. That will, if you, if you, if we're open and we help each other out and we're just honest with each other about things that will help you get paid more at some, you know, mm -hmm. and it will make the big chain not so bad because even they would feel the pressure. So, yeah. So all in all, anti-work movement is a mixture of a bunch of people who are delusional, but also way more people that probably I think are doing the right thing, which is treating the labor market like a market and holding, you know? Yes. Don't sell. It's, you know, the last analogy I've heard someone use that I think is somewhat adequate is imagine that you have a yard sale and someone walks in and says, Hey, can I buy that? But it's something not in the yard sale. You don't have to, you know, you're more inclined to say no, like treat your labor like a yard sale in that way where someone's asking you for your time and realize it for what it is. Say no, if it's really worth it to you. But if you're desperate, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do, but I don't know. Yep. Yep. All right, I think that's all I've got for this one. Although we're probably over time, but yes, we are. Okay. Well, until next time, philosophers. Philosophers. If you like the music in this episode, please check out Jippy on Bandcamp at jippy.bandcamp.com. Philosophers is supported by viewers like you. If there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, or a topic you'd like to see revisited in the future, please let us know by contacting us using the methods in the description, or in the comments below. Thank you for listening.